Welcome to Watershed's December podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed. And for this roundup of what has been an extraordinary year, just an extraordinary year, and an extraordinary year in film, an extraordinary year in cinema, um, I'm joined by Tara Judah, cinema producer at Watershed, and also delighted to say that I am that we are joined by Thea Berry, um, who was maternity cover cinema producer for Tara, um, and is back with us to um, reflect on this year in film. Thea, just before we get started, um, I, um, you've you've been what have you been up to? Well, it's been a, a strange all year, and not always there's uh, not always the space to get up to much, but. Um, over the past year, I've been working with uh, BFI Film Audience Network Young Consultants, um, which is a group of twenty, about 21 young people, 30 and under, um, who work in film exhibition across the UK in a variety of roles, whether that's with a venue or freelance or as a critic. Um, and each month we would choose a title that we think that would connect with young audiences and um, and how venues um, and exhibitors can if they choose to show those titles how they can connect with young audiences um, so being able to do that over the past year and because venues have been shut mostly mm. um, and how people can connect with cinema online and as part of developing that need for film culture um, with young people. Mm. Great. And, and you're also involved in This Way Up conference, which is the conference for um, the British Film Institute's Film Audience Network. Uh, what yes. have you been doing with that? Yes. Yeah, so um, a group of us um, in Young Consultants, we've been working together to produce this webinar on the how of uh, getting young people into your, ve- into your venue and integrating them as part of your audience development strategies. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it'll be really interesting. Uh, webinar. Great. So on to this year in cinema. Um, I, I, when I was looking back, I realised the extraordinary fact that we've been closed for more than we've been open at Watershed. Um, I think you know probably about seven months um, we've been we've been closed. But going back to pre-COVID, if we can imagine that time, which was January February. Um, in early March, I, I had a look back at you know what we were screening, and it it just it just seemed like from another another era, um, a halcyon days of of films being released into cinemas, which I, I feel confident we'll get back to, but but it does seem like from a different world at this moment. And so looking at what was released, it, it, you know extraordinary sort of lineup films, um, Jojo Rabbit, um, nineteen seventeen, Uncut Gems. A Hidden Life, which I think um, if we're going to get on to top fives, that, that Terrence Malick film may well be in, in my top five. Um, Queen and Slim, Lighthouse, and of course Parasite, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, which was really the sort of big film story uh, of the year. It, it, it kind of swept the Oscars. Um, it, it crossed over into the mainstream. This Korean film crossed over into the mainstream. Did phenomenal box office globally and for watershed it was a it was a fantastic hit uh, portrait of a lady on fire Celine Skiama's um wonderful film Todd Haynes Dark Waters just a, a a great rich um array of films and then covid struck 
middle of March, we were closed. And one of the interesting things that happened in the cinema sector was was um, how quickly actually we embraced um, virtual cinema. And we at Watershed certainly presented a lot of films. Um, it's called pivoting. There are so many new words that have um, come into come into being. Who whoever had heard the furlough um, and pivoting? Um, everybody pivoted online. Um, cinema pivoted online, and you, you know we we had a number of films that were available via the website. Uh, the months went on. We reopened. And I was really delighted at the audience response when we reopened in September. It was really heartening to see that um, with films being released, films like Rocks, Sarah Gavron's Rocks, um, Rose Glasses, St. Maud, uh, that was released. Audiences were coming back. I I stupidly did that thing where I got optimistic and enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, and then and then we, we, we went back into lockdown um, in, in November. And and for me that certainly felt um, more difficult than, than than frustrating rather than the first time because I I could see that audiences wanted to come back to the cinema wanted to come back to Watershed they were really um, and 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 we spent a lot of time taking the care to reopen so that it was a safe space um, and it was really just really great um, people uh, watching films back in the cinema and you know we had the the London Film Festival on tour. We had a fantastic previews of films like Mangrove, um, Steve McQueen's film, um, and, and Nomadland. Great selection of films and great seeing audiences back and then, of course, closed. And as we record this podcast, um, we've just found out that Bristol is going into Tier 3, um, cinemas can't open, and it's going to be reviewed uh, later this month, and there is a chance, there is a small chance that It's a Wonderful Life <laughs> may well be seen. Uh, it may well it may well be It's a Wonderful Life in the cinema, um, but it might not. And the uncertainty, I think, is something that certainly shaped this year. So that's a very quick sketch. I mean, there's been all sorts of structural changes in film, which I think will be, we'll, we'll see how that plays out in 21. I mean, the, 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 the biggest one being that a high-profile commercial mainstream films um, going straight online, um, real changes to the, the mechanics of the, the film business that I think will, ha- will have a, a, a knock-on impact into, into the years ahead. Um, so a, a, a quick sketch there of the year. How, how's, it, how's it been for you, Tara? Yeah, this has been the strangest year in so many ways. Um, as as you mentioned before, Thea was doing my maternity cover, so uh, I, w- I wasn't doing this or wasn't doing my regular thing for the first part of the year anyway. I did go to Rotterdam, so I saw a lot of films in the cinema there, which was a real joy, but that was the first and last festival for me that I physically attended in 2020, which is um, certainly odd when when normally I would go to lots of film festivals to source and see lots of great films. So I had one experience of a film festival, um, then the year kind of moved into this strange period. Um, Thea and I never got to have our handover and our kind of coming back together. I yeah. think we're both quite sad about that because also um, I think we were looking forward to the transition part where we'd get to come and work together a little bit um, in the crossover and especially on our what we hoped would be our um, wonderful summer festival cinema rediscovered uh, where we get to look at archive classic and rep films and it's worth saying you know we'd, we'd, we'd all done some work programming that and it just uh, hasn't hasn't come to the screen yet so we'll keep some of those ideas now back pocket for the future but yeah this 
Sorry, Tara, it's funny as you, as you were saying that, um, it just made me realise how much of this year feels as though it's on hold. And, and we'll pick that up. So that, that meeting between you, between you and Thea, it feels as though it should happen when when we're through all of this. And similarly, Cinema Rediscovered will come back, but it's as though it's all on hold and we'll come back to it. Yeah, it very much is a bit of uh, an on hold situation, um, and I do I do hope and think that Thea and I will get a chance to work together a little bit, maybe in twenty twenty one on some of those ideas that we've <laughs> yeah that we've had. So um, so yeah, this is this has not been the usual year, but also I just was struck, Mark, when you were speaking that um, I forgot Parasite was a film from twenty twenty. I actually um, in my head think that's so long ago that I thought it was last year. So um, even just kind of looking back on the year, I think has been a, a a sort of slightly difficult thing to do. Um, I have seen great films this year, but but a lot of them do feel like they were a long time ago. Thea, how's it been for you? Well, I, and sort of thinking back to January, February, um, I mean, the building was just uh, sort of buzzing with people, um, mm-hmm. especially when Parasite, and, and I think you're right, I, part of me also does feel like Parasite was from last year. But, you know, the reaction that we had from that of sold out screenings sort of pretty much like four times a day for weeks and I was thinking like where have all these people come from Mm. like it's amazing you're here but I didn't even know you existed Mm. um so it was amazing to see that sort of reaction from a film from city seeing so many people come into the building and then for the building be totally empty I think in terms of like my own relationship with like film culture and my own experience of of watching film was that you know I was furloughed back at the um back at the beginning so I sort of thought okay okay great I can watch all the films that I haven't seen start off with I had a pretty good run of like watching quite a lot of stuff you know watching sort of three titles titles a day and I really love you know one of the, the great things about working in Watershed was cinema rediscovered so I just I do love rep titles and being able to look at it through a different lens. I think always sometimes, um, you know, I did lots of uh, looking back and I watched stuff like Terminator and um, all these big films I'd never seen. And I don't know how I'd never seen them, but just didn't sort of turn up and be able to look at them with my 2020 lens. I think it's always fun. Um, but yeah, it's been a strange one. It certainly has. When, when you were talking there, uh, Thea, about um, Parasite, and I remember we put on, we put on extra screenings. Um, I've never seen so many people um, in, <laughs> in Watershed. The queues, the queues to come in, um, people coming out, going into the cafe bar, and it just illustrates. It just it just made me feel that sort of impact that's happened because now um, we've, we've got to do limited screenings because of the flow of people through the building we've had to think through all of that um, and it's it's just such a such a change and you know cinema going is such a social um, activity and I've, I've said this in different forums is that you know, it's such a, a social activity that you know how, how you can do that in an um, era of social distancing um, is obviously a bit of a kind of mind, mind bender, but when we did reopen, I, I was I was just so pleased to that we were able to offer films. And talking about um, cinema rediscovered, you know, two of the films that we screened, um, and I, you know, wanted to make sure that our connection with cinema rediscovered was was represented. We did um, North by Northwest, 
uh, we screened that in, in the cinema and also Sunset Boulevard. And they were two of the highest um, attendances, limited attendances, but two of the highest. Um, and I think it was just it was just great, particularly Sunset Boulevard, for me to just see that back up on the cinema screen. What's been your cinema highlight of the year? Have you have you got like an absolute favourite moment? Because I think that moment in the cinema is something that you know we should just take a moment to um, reflect on and how joyous it is. For me, actually, it was in Rotterdam because it was the first film that I had seen in a cinema without a baby because <laughs> uh, I'd been to baby cinema only in the year before that. So it was the first cinema experience I got on my own uh, was in Rotterdam where I saw The Lighthouse and it was I was first front row right in the middle of the screen and it was just so explosive. Mm, that's such a brilliant film to see for your first film. Mm. Um, and, you know, thinking back to that uh, when, we, when we screened it, well, I, I'd seen it. Pre in Cannes the previous the previous year, so in twenty nineteen, and I saw it, it. It was one of those early morning screenings at, at eight thirty, um, and I think I described it as like being picked up um, out your seat, slapped across the face with a wet <laughs> fish, and sort of thrown back into it. And and it, it was it was just such a kind of essential cinematic experience. I felt, um, and it was so great to be able to show it. Yeah, I would say. I mean, The Lighthouse was just was one of my favourite films this year. I thought it was just so, so weird and visceral. And I think that was something uh, sometimes... I think when you watch a lot, of, uh, a lot of titles, you sort of, I find anyway, that I go into sort of a mode of thinking like, oh, that'll work, and I think those people will like it, and yeah, that'll be really good, um, whatever. Or, you know, I don't think so. But with this one, it was just so different, and it, it made me just so excited for when I could see it with a room full of of people and uh, I saw it one of the, one of the screening days with the ICO and then as part of um, the program for conversations about cinema thought in action with the UE film and philosophy department and it was a packed screening 200 people watching this and we had such a fascinating discussion afterwards um, with an array of uh, panelists but just hearing everybody in the cinema laugh, I had someone sort of uh, yell, which then made everybody else laugh. Mm. And <laughs> it, that is that communal experience of being in a yeah. room with, yeah. you know, I love simultaneously being in a cinema and maybe I'm the only person there or there's maybe two or three other people, but there's really nothing quite like being in a, in a room with 200 people and you're all experiencing this sort of amazing thing. I think the the thing with um, Lighthouse um, that was also interesting was it followed quite quickly after Mark Jenkins' Bait. And, you know, they're both black and white. They're both, um, uh, um, you know, Academy ratio, that very square um, aspect ratio. Uh, and they, they both seem to somehow speak to, you know, early cinema, almost, almost um, silent cinema. And you can really feel in both of them... Uh, a quality of of film, you know, the the, the medium film, uh, the chemical process film, and I thought it, it it was just great that they both seem to have that and visually. They seem to have it within their, their their DNA. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think probably the lighthouse fares quite highly on um, all about. If we were to make a list of this crazy year, I think we probably all have it somewhere quite high up there. But does anybody want to um, kick off with and and tell us their top five films of the year? 
that is quite uh, it's quite a thing, you know, because um, I, I always going back over the year um, when we've done it in the past, you you as you go through the year, you think, oh, it's not as good as or whatever. You sort of feel, you know, there's always there's always better years. There's always the kind of um, better films you think, and then when you look back um, from at the end of the year, you, you go, hang on a minute, yeah. Um, actually, we had Portrait of a Lady on Fire, we had Parasite, we had Lighthouse, we said. I, I think Todd Haynes' Dark Waters um, with Mark Ruffalo, and it's a very um, different sort of more low-key mood than you would expect from Todd Haynes, you know, who's who's um, who did Carol. Um, and... It's exploring um, more of a an investigative, um, almost like a kind of seventies um, thriller, very low key, but it, it just looks superb. And that that for me would um, you know looking back, go well, hang on a minute, I, yeah, that was released, but because it was released in between all those films that I mentioned, it kind of got a bit lost. And rethinking about it, I would say that 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 Waters would be would would be high up in my list. Thea, what about you? Yeah, so The Lighthouse, of course, for me, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I'm such a big fan of Celine Sciamma, and I, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it a few times, and each time I, I notice more about it. I think particularly, I think the the soundtrack, or you know, there is no, there is no score. The sound is diegetic, and I just thought it was such a beautifully designed film. Um, but also looking back to um, Baccarat, Clever Mendonça Filho's um, totally insane Brazilian um, exploitation sort of Western, which I I knew nothing about before going to see it. As That's what I tried to do anyway. At least try to find out maybe the, the shell of the plot. But I like to really know nothing. And it totally just slapped me around the face. I thought, oh my God, what is this? This is insane. Um, and, and loads of fun, but horrible at the same time and totally sort of I don't know, it was a very invigorating experience and really I think really spoke to a particular moment in time where there is a distrust of uh, of governments of larger structural powers and this took that sort of idea of of distrust and sort of said you're right to distrust this but and the powers of which we all, the structures in which we all sort of live, but also they're sort of uh, they're necessary in terms of like societal living. And I think his sort of, you know, Mendoza Filo's uh, wry smile that he has in that film is just uh, just really, uh, really, really brilliant. And another one um, uh, which I can't I can't remember if um, if it, this was before lockdown or afterwards, but the Painted Bird. Mm. Um, I think that was in 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 in, in a mid lockdown. Was it in the middle yeah. of it? Yeah. Gosh, my gosh! But that one as well. Yeah. Was a uh, totally brutal. Quite a startling film, yeah. Incredibly startling, but I, I mean, I haven't forgotten it, mm. and uh, I don't think I will. And the few people that have seen it, you know, it caused it caused such a ruckus at film festivals last year, and people were really offended and shocked by it but not everybody and um i thought it was a really i mean brutal but no less visually quite stunning piece of film 
Mm. What about you, Tava? Yeah, so I, I'm I'm going to give a shout out to two films, especially um, Vitalina Varela, Pedro Costa's film, mm. um, which uh, I still think might be one of the most stunning things I've ever seen and one of the most moving experiences. Just because this is going to sound like a strange thing to say, but the use of light in that film is so exquisite. It it genuinely moved something within me. I didn't know that lighting could be used to that effect photographically. Um, and I know that probably sounds strange because obviously lighting is one of the key and most important elements in, in photography and in, in cinematography, but uh, I've not seen anyone achieve on in film what Pedro Costa does uh, in that film. Mm. And, and it, it looks like a Caravaggio painting. Uh, it's like moving paintings with such exquisite detail. Uh, and I, I just thought that was absolutely marvellous. I think it's one of the most beautiful things. And I'm absolutely thrilled to say that for, for so many films that I had to, gorgeous films I had to watch on my very small laptop or television at home this year, I got to see that one in a cinema and I'm really pleased because it deserves a big screen. Really, really, really deserves it. Um, the other thing that was really extraordinary for me this year and the best thing I have seen all year and I, I suspect for probably many years, and I'm sad to say this didn't make it to cinema screens, um, a section of it was going to play and it would have played at Watershed. <laughs> um, um, it's a, a short film called Day in the Life by Carabin Collective, who are Indigenous Australians, and um, made this extraordinary experimental film about their life, part of which was commissioned by Projections, the artist moving image project that no longer is running, sadly, that was running out of Tyneside Cinema um, in the UK. So we would have been showing this section of Day in the, a section from Day in the Life as part of their touring program. Uh, but obviously, n numerous things occurred this year that have sadly conspired to, to mean that it's not playing on our big screen and it's not shown anywhere uh but look up the carabin collective you can watch some of their other work online and everything they do honestly is extraordinary i mean i watched this film twice at rotterdam i watched it and then there was another screening the next day and i went back to watch it again um because because i just couldn't believe how extraordinary it was um and 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 still can't uh, visually thematically politically uh, it, it, everything is in there. Um, it's it's really a, a remarkable uh, piece of work. Mark, what were your top top highlights, or did, have you already mentioned most of them? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you about Nicolina um, Varela. I think Pedro Costa is, um, you know, one of the great filmmakers working. He he manages to use light, as you say, um, in in just such an extraordinary way, and um, it 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 reminded me. And I think the whole year has just reminded me of the essential qualities of the cinematic. Um, mm. And I was thinking as you were talking, um, as both of you were talking actually, that that um, you know Steve McQueen's um, fantastic little act series which mm. on television. Um, we we did the preview of Mangrove, um, as I said, in, in the cinema as part of the London Film Festival and tour. Um, but I finally caught up with Lovers Rock. Um, on television when it was screened last month and it is such a brilliant and all I could think about when I was watching it on my television screen was <laughs> my god this would look amazing and feel amazing in the cinema and you know I want to screen it in the cinema it's his his, his um, use of sound 
image direction, the way he constructs um, his films, they are like kind of, um, it's like musicals, the intensity of it. And it was just such a brilliant um, experience that he just thought, no, this needs to be in the cinema. And I think that's probably been a kind of defining um, aspect of the year is that it's that with being closed, as it were, with cinema not being accessible, it's made me realise the qualities of, of the cinematic. And so from that point of view, then I, I, I would say that um, Terence Malick's A Hidden Life also has to be one of my highlights. I just think his he, he kind of disappeared a bit into um, the realms of obscurity in some ways. Um, Terence Malick, but he's come back with a hidden life and it's anchored by a very real story. Um, but he his image making is just um, unbelievably cinematic. Um, so that that would certainly be a, a very big high point. But you know, also I just want to draw people's attention to uh, you know looking back, I could, there's been some really great British films um, and British debut features um, that have come out. I think. Real by Aki Omoshabi, um, very small, um, uh, independent-made film out of Portsmouth. I think he did a brilliant job um, with that. Saint Maud, uh, Mogul Mowgli, Makeup, Lynn and Lucy, County Lines that we were due to show. I mean, a lot of these films did get caught up in the the, the lockdown, but you know, some really strong debut British features. So I, I really draw atten- people's attention to those. Yes, Mogul Mowgli, I think, has been one of my favourite films that I've seen this year. I think Riz Ahmed is such an amazing artist. And mm. as a fan, you know, the concept album that he released before this, The Long Goodbye, is such an amazing companion piece to the film. And I was really just so impressed by it. And I think another title is um, Josephine Decker's film Shirley, about the writer mm. Shirley Jackson. I love Josephine Decker. I think she's so amazing. I think her films are just so so interesting and so gripping and I really loved you know Butter on the Latch and that was mild and lovely and this one I think is a re- sort of different turning point to those other films but it's just so beautifully shot with such amazing performances and there's a real sort of uh, dark side to her storytelling which I think is so captivating. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, Shirley's definitely on my list of top films this year. We talked about it a little bit on, uh, I think, the November podcast. This is just a real highlight for me, and I agree with you, Thea. Everything Josephine Decker does is just um, staggeringly good. She's She's got real depth of character exploration um, and a real mastery of visual style, I think, as well, um, and there's a lot going on in her films. They're incredibly rich. So we're coming up to the end of our half hour um, podcast for looking back on 2020, a very extraordinary year in film. But I think, I feel as though what I can confidently say is that cinema may be closed, but long live cinema. Absolutely, you can say that, Mark. I think that um, one of the things I'm struck by in our conversation is how much um, our memories are of of being with other people in cinemas and mm. and and how how much we're all looking forward to at some point having that back again. Yeah. 
Well, that's all for, for this month. Um, if you do go to watershed.co.uk, we, we, we have um, films that you can link through to and watch online. Um, it's called Virtual Cinema People. It shall not replace cinema, but it will be sit alongside it. Um, and you, you, you can watch um, films like Patrick, Possessor, um, you know, a lot of great films that would have been on, but um, are, are available for you to watch. And I, uh, I think we can agree that we look forward to 2021 to meet again in the cinema. So thank you very much, Tara, and thank you, Thea. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.